Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today in the show, we're going to talk a little about corn herbicides. But if you don't raise corn, many of these herbicides can get used in other crops as well. So anyway, we'll talk through some of the different herbicide options that there are out there and some of the changes going into 2024. If you'd like to give us a call, if you've got any questions for us, or if you want to talk about our topic today, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, AgPhD Media, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so just talking about corn herbicides in general, let me put it this way. Ever since I was a young agronomist... A long time ago, I can remember people asking every year, isn't there just one herbicide or one application I can make and I'm going to have great weed control and maximum yield? The answer back then, just like it is today, is no. Now, I'm not saying you can't do a one-pass program on your farm and get by well, all right? It'll probably work okay in some cases, especially if you have light weed pressure. But here's the challenge with it. If you don't spray early enough, weeds start growing. And I don't care what anybody wants to tell you. When weeds start growing, they're hurting your yield. Sure, if you have three weeds in the whole field, it's no big deal. But when you have weeds out in your field, they're robbing water, they're robbing nutrients, they're hurting your crop. So you don't want to get them started. And then the next thing is you want to make sure you're spraying early enough so you've got at least that post-emerge control done. So if you're trying to do this real early post, you got to spray early enough. Okay. But then you go, all right, well, when I spray early, am I going to get residual all the way to crop canopy? Crop canopy is the best weed killer there is. And so if you want better weed control, we always talk about go to narrower rows, go to higher populations. You choke the weeds out sooner. So that part's great. But can you make it to canopy with this one application? And a lot of times what we see with people trying to do a one-shot program is there are a few weeds that come back later on. Now, if you want to kill those, great. If you don't, I understand. Usually when we get past one foot tall corn, so after the time the corn is a foot tall, if you've kept it weed free all the way until then, the weeds that come in later, they typically aren't hurting yield. But I don't care when a weed gets started exactly. If it is started and it's allowed to grow in your field, it's probably going to go to seed. That causes problems down the road. So sure, for this year, no big deal. But in the future, now you're looking at more weeds and more potential cost and hassle and yield loss and everything else. So we are huge believers in two-pass programs on in pretty much any crop. So with corn, for example, what our standard recommendation is, is pre-emerge and preferably pre-plant or pre-plant incorporated. It would be to use one of the group 15s along with something else. And by group 15s, I mean Harness, Surpass, Outlook, Dual, Zidua. Those are the group 15s. You can throw something else in there if you want for broadleaf control, but the group 15s are great on grass. Then post-emerge, you can clean everything up. You used to be able to do it just with Roundup. Now it's going to take more than Roundup in almost all cases. So you could use Liberty if it was Smart Stacks corn. You can throw something in with the Roundup like a Dicamba or Status, 
HPPD, and by HPPD, I mean things like Callisto, Laudis, Impact, Armazon. So you do have some options. People ask us about atrazine. You can throw that in with some of the different post products. There's Tough. There's Bucktrail. There are many different options out there, but I'm just saying here, and I guess my big summary is use a pre, follow us in good post-emerge, and generally speaking, you can have real good weed control in corn. All right, Brian, we've got a big trend in our industry to use multiple modes of action at each opportunity, and I think that's great. And I've had a lot of questions about some of these new three-mode-of-action herbicides, like, for example, Maverick and Trivolt, two new names out there. There's there's some ingredients, though, that have been around for a while. Uh, talk about some of these three-mode-of-action products, what to watch for, what to watch out for. Well, the whole thing is you've got to understand what's actually in the product that you're buying. Because I do get frustrated, and I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with any three-mode-of-action product, but... I get frustrated when people just sell you on, hey, it's a three-mode-of-action product, not on each one of these will kill my target weed. So, for example, there are some products like in soybeans that I think of where I go, all right, well, if I've got an ALS herbicide, that's not killing my water hemp. If I've got a super low rate of a PPO, that's going to give me burn down but no residual. So then there's one other component in there that I know will work. So really, out of the three, I only have one that I can count on for my target weed. So our key takeaway always is going to be make sure you understand what you have for your biggest weed problem, and then you want to put most of your dollars toward that. So why worry about, oh, this will kill all these other things? You know what? If water hemp is 99% of your problem, how about we spend most of our dollars on killing water hemp and we get three modes of action that actually kill the water hemp? So that's probably our number one takeaway there. Each year, if you come to one of our Ag PhD Winter Workshops, and we have those coming up in January and February, they're free for you to attend. Full day workshop, and we talk about, well, like we have one on corn production, for example, this winter. Just go to agphd.com to learn more about these workshops. But anyway, when you attend one of these workshops, we give we send you home with a book that's probably 100, 150 pages that we put together. And part of that is what we call our chemical component chart. And we put this thing together for years now. And it's basically just telling you what are not just the active ingredients in a product, but what would be the other brand names that it would be similar to. So when you see, oh, hey, here's a three-mode-of-action product. Okay, well, which brand names are on the market today that I would be familiar with that would make up this three-mode-of-action product? Because in a lot of cases, it's three things you might already be very familiar with. So once I tell you, oh, it's these three things, you go, oh, okay, now I know what we're dealing with here. So... We just try to make sure that we have a lot of transparency in this thing so you know what you're using, what the rate is, and then be careful about using something that isn't going to work versus something that is great on your particular target on your farm. We're going to talk about corn herbicides on today's show and take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustained way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Talking corn herbicides today on Ag PhD Radio and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Yeah, chemical prices change every year. Their programs are a little bit different every year. It's just important to talk with your agronomist about what your options are and how things may have changed from last year. One trend that we're seeing this year as prices on some products have come down, we're hearing a lot of farmers talk about, man, I was cutting a rate here or there. I'm going to bump that rate up a little bit uh, to the higher end of the labeled rate to try and get a little better weed control. The other thing that I've been hearing this spring already is, you know, last year the weeds got a little too big on me. I need to get out there sooner. I like both of those things. That sounds good for weed control this year. And there's some really nice options out there for you to choose from as well. Got Kurt Martins with us right now with BSF to talk about some of those options. How you doing, Kurt? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, talking corn herbicides today, lots of choices out there for growers. That's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And we need those choices, uh, especially when we see you know resistance developing to more and more of our different sites of action that we've been relying on. Uh, and, and, and knowing if we've got the resistance is going to make, a, a like you said, the choices that are out there, it, it's obviously that's a huge driver in what we're going to choose to try to kill our weeds next year. Yeah, lots of different modes of action. Uh, to me, I look at that pre-emerge program in soybeans as just, oh my gosh, if you don't do that, you're going to have some trouble trying to catch up. In corn, we do have some decent broadleaf options where we can catch some of these Roundup-resistant weeds if we miss them, but I'd still like to get as many of them under control before I ever have to look at them, Kurt. I don't even want to see a pigweed out in my field. Exactly. And that's, you know, when looking at the area that I cover of eastern Iowa and western Illinois, you know, water hemp is the is the driver weed. It's it's. I mean, everything we do is to kill that weed. We can kill everything else relatively easy, um, but that's that's the driver. And the easiest time to kill a, a like a water hemp is when it's coming out of the ground. There's only one growing point there, and if we put multiple effective sites of action in a in a strong full rate pre, that's our best chance to kill those suckers. Uh, and, and then we don't have to worry about them 
you know, later on the season. Or And then the other thing is if we are going to get a later flush, having that, that strong pre down is going to make sure our weeds are much smaller when we do come back with our post-trip. And that's going to make our post chemistries or their posts for besides that we use that much more effective and that's going to result in clean fields you know we talk about a lot of there's a lot of different products out there obviously there's there's quite a few group 15s to choose from there's combination products that have different things in them you've got a product verdict that has also got sharpen in there i really like that for residual control on these broadleaf weeds uh, what are some of the things that we should look for and how do we get the most out of those pre's yeah we we want to keep on looking at having the most effective sites of action out there. You know, if we use at least two effective sites of action, so we don't have resistance to those sites of action. So if you have at least two that are effective, that reduces our chance of developing resistance to those sites of action by something like 83%. You know, so if we can get at least two in each application, and if you get three, that's, that's even better. You know, so so like your, our uh, verdict option is, uh, is group 15 in the group 14, uh, if we had atrazine to that, that, that's that's a third. You know, so it's about adding these sites of action, and 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 that's that's where we keep resistance managed. And again, that's going to offer our cleaner fields. Yeah, and I just look at all these modes of action that we've got to let. Let's not double up here. Let's try and get them all into play as much as we can. I, I see the HBPDs getting used pre and post. I, I like them one or yep. the other. Uh, I, I don't want to overuse anything. I am a little nervous about the Group 15. So, Kurt, I got to be honest. We're using them a lot in other crops now, including soybeans for these corn soybean yep. guys. If they're relying on HBPD or I'm sorry, Group 15s twice in soybeans and twice in corn. Uh, there are some other good modes of action out there that guy can choose from. Exactly, exactly. Yes, we are depending on those or relying on those group 15s quite a bit. I, again, in my, my area, when it comes to the corn acre, we're, we're heavily overusing HPPDs because they're going out both pre- and post-emergence. So, again, keeping that, I mean, you can use these chemistries every year, but you you have to add in the additional effective sites of action, like I, like I already mentioned. So keep on adding in. You know, just don't rely on just that one or two sites of action, like a like group 15 and HPPDs. You can utilize those, but add in something like status, which is growth regular post-emergence, and and, uh, and and soybeans. Make sure we're we're doing both, say like an enlist and liberty tank mix, uh, along with our group 15 pre that has a soil pipe PPO group 14. You know. Again, I, what that what I just mentioned there. There's there's four effective sites of action. That's how it's done. That's and that's how we keep these our resistance managed. Yeah, I agree. I think you got to stack up. Hey, what am I going to do here in my crop rotation? Whether that's a two crop rotation or a three crop rotation or whatever you're doing on the farm, and just try and see how many effective modes of action you can get out there. It's the best way to keep resistant weeds out. Kurt, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again soon. You bet. Thanks. You know, we're talking about resistant weeds and knocking them out. And Kurt mentioned water hemp is is certainly the driver weed for a lot of farmers or Palmer pigweed, both pigweed species. Uh, got Tom Wood on right now with Belsham to talk about weed control in corn. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing good. How are you, Darren? Well, pretty good. I, I, I'm going to bet uh, after a few years of talking about pigweed to everybody that you can see all over, you probably are frustrated when you see one in the field. You're like, man, we could have knocked that thing out. Yeah, well, for sure. Um, but, you know, we're we're a smaller company and we have uh, a few very good products and getting the word out is uh, 
has been, and we do a lot of promotion and advertising and whatnot, but um, word of mouth and, and having that growers actually use it is, is the best way to get the message out for, for what I always talk about, which is tough and now even tougher. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, you you got to right. talk to your crop consultant or your agronomist or your crop input supplier about what are some other things that I should be doing here? Because there's certain things, we were talking with Kurt Martins about this, that group 15s are getting used a lot. HPPDs are getting used a lot. Adding something else in there like tough, which is a, a mode of action that isn't getting used enough and it's really effective on this main driver weed of pigweed plus a few others. It's a good one to mix into the program, and it's pretty flexible with what you can mix it with. It does, and and it's uh, it's uh, coincidental you bring up group fifteens because we ask growers and retailers any uh, anything that you can tell us that you're using, send us pictures. Uh, we'd love to have them. We had one guy in Iowa put out um, tough with Keystone, Miso, and Roundup. And his field was, well, absolutely clean. Um, great pictures before and after. So we know even adding tough to group 15s with an HPPD is is really going to do the trick. And we see, um, you know, I, I always talk about synergistic effects with HPPDs or resistant um, um, weeds. And every year we do more work to show where tough can add benefit. And we have some of those for 2023 also. Yeah, this is a herbicide for corn, not a herbicide for soybeans. And a lot of guys will say, well, okay, I want something that I can just use in the one crop. So I know it's only going to get in by, to my rotation one out of two years so I can preserve that chemistry, not have an issue. Uh, it's one of the things that I like about this product that uh, it fits so nicely into that post-emerge corn program that you know, really no matter what you're doing post-emerge corn, you can put tough in there, add some more punch on those tough pigweed weeds. And not have to worry about... Um what's your what's your next crop or having any of the residual to worry about so that's that's pretty good um and for this year in 2023 we did some more work on you know as we see more resistance in hppds what goes with that is resistance to atrazine as well so if you have hppd resistance you're going to have atrazine resistance too from what we can see and we've done some work with the University of Illinois, Dr. Chanel. And this year, we demonstrated that TOF synergizes mesotrione just as good as atrazine if your atrazine's failing. And we've, we've done it in Illinois. We had Kansas State demonstrate um, TOF controls atrazine-resistant kochia. So we're finding more and more uses for TOF. That that's, works that's, that's an awesome active ingredient. We love seeing it boost the control with other products, too. Hey, thanks, Tom. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Indo. Always read and follow label instructions. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about corn herbicides on our show and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head back to the phone lines. We've got Andy Clausen with us right now with Valent. How you doing, Andy? Doing well yourself? We are doing quite well, too. All the weeds are done in our fields. we got a, a few months here that we don't have to worry about them too much, Andy, because it's going to be frozen outside, but after that, we're going to have to get after it with our corn herbicide program. So talk to us about the new Maverick. Talk to us about what's going on in corn herbicides we should be excited about. You bet. Uh, Maverick is a uh, new premix to the corn market. Um, it is a three-way premix. I know there's a lot of premixes on the market space today. Uh, Maverick comes to us. It brings uh, mesotrione, clopyrrolid, and peroxisulfone. So Maverick is the first true corn herbicide program or herbicide uh, product in the market with that peroxisulfone in it for, for longest lasting residual and uh, on a broad spectrum set of weeds, as well as bringing us a, uh, a low use rate. So our, our use rate with Maverick is going to be 14 to 32 ounces. Uh, 32 ounces is the high rate. Uh, we've got the opportunity to go pre to V6. 
that uh, the pre-rate is going to be most commonly that uh, 18 to 24 ounce rate, and that is going to be soil type dependent, of course. Um, and then once we get into season, our max use, use rate is going to be going to be 14 ounces. So um, phenomenal little product. The uh, the um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, the well, chemistry behind it is fantastic. The premix is good. It's a good solid product to work with. Growers that are going to going to use it this year are going to really like it. You know, with three effective, uh, proven active ingredients, that really helps too. Because that that's something too. When when new things come out, sometimes it's like, well, I haven't really seen that before. And you mentioned the pyroxis sulfone. A lot of farmers would be familiar using Zidua or the Anthem products. Uh, getting that component out there, it's it's really proven to be a nice one, uh, as far as a group fifteen goes. And then you got some proven active ingredients there for broadleaf control that that are, are really strong too. So it's going to stack up nicely. I know uh, if growers are familiar with Resicor, it would be similar in active ingredients to that, except for that grass component has changed. And like you mentioned, length of control, that's a big deal. I, I don't think growers are satisfied with, well, I put a pre out, now everything's going to be great forever. I need something that's going to last a long ways into the season to buy me some time for that post-emerge application. Absolutely. As guys are running back and forth across the field, doing corn, beans, whatever their crop they're harvesting today, you know, it's a good time to take a look at uh, what escapes do I have today. Um, am I combining just soybeans or is there some water hemp out there? Am I combining just corn or do we have some ragweed palm or something coming through there? Uh, now's a good time of year to take a note of, of maybe what potential escapes we have and what do we got to add to what we're doing currently. And I think that's where Maverick plays a good good spot for us in that program yeah if we're doing the best we can with that pre-program now you can get out there and scout and see what's coming through and there have been some unusual weeds that have come through lately you may change up what you're doing post-emerge so i I would tell you there are lots of choices post-emerge and things that we can do and uh, of course there's other uh, tank mix partners that we could add in i think about resources one on our own farm a couple years ago we had some velvet leaf sneak through of all things andy and you've got an awesome solution for that with resource that, that we can use in corn and soybeans. So it's kind of nice. We could spray, mix up one batch and, and go out and hit both crops if we wanted to. Yes. Yeah, the resource is a fun little product to play with. Uh, we've also taken a uh, resource. So we go back to Paroxysolphone and we've put a product together called Perpetuo to, uh, to fit another need in that corn and bean market um, to try to get that Paroxysolphone on the acre again for that residual um, again, with the resource to get the velvet leaf, to get the ragweed, um, uh, just to sharpen up those tank mixes that we've got going out. So we're starting to bring some tools back into the tool shed that uh, that we haven't maybe used for a while. But uh, there again, we've got a couple different options for, for the growers. Absolutely. And we got a great way to start here with a new three mode of action product, Maverick, uh, that's out as well. Andy, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on today. You betcha. I appreciate it. You guys have a good one. Bet you. Got Lily Zemer on with us right now with FMC. How you doing, Lily? Really good. How are you guys today? Well, we're doing a little bit better now. We've finally gotten just a little bit of rain here, but oh my goodness, the last few years, and I think your territory too, you've seen a lot of dry seasons here, and yet the weeds still keep coming. Oh my goodness. I know it. I know uh, we kind of had some late rains this year um, that hit a good few good spots that really needed it but uh there's some parts in nebraska here that that never really got those those 
those rains. So harvest is kind of moving along here in Nebraska. We see, uh, I talked to a lot of folks and they got their beans out working really hard on corn, but man, as I'm kind of driving roads and, and I see that corn coming out of the field right behind it, I sure see a lot of green weeds still left out there. So a little bit concerning this year, but yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And, and I have seen the same thing as we're driving around and I think, wait, is that a cover crop coming? No, that's, that's not a cover crop or at least not what we want to grow for our cover crop out there. So what, I guess, what did, what got missed this year and what are some of the things that we could tweak to the programs to, to make sure we do a better job next year? Yeah, no, for sure. Those are some really good thoughts. But what really caught my eye this year is obviously the dry weather early on. Um, and I think that that was a concern for a lot of folks. I know that even here down in south central Nebraska, we have a lot of irrigation. So in those areas, folks were were, were able to get by okay. But the conversation that I kind of had to keep having with folks is um, activating those herbicides. And when we think about herbicide activation, a lot of folks try and go along and think a herbicide activation is a is a single point in time or, or one single event. But when we really think about herbicide activation, it's it's keeping enough soil moisture out there to get that herbicide into soil solution and to be effective. So, I mean, even in our irrigated portions of the state here, it's continuing to have those conversations about um, maybe putting an extra pass on early on um, just to keep that herbicide activated in the soils. and. And obviously, when we think about um, our dry land acres, which is a lot, a lot of the eastern part of the state here, um, we think about maybe adding an extra mode of action to the tank um, that doesn't need as much moisture for activation. And obviously, when you're not getting any rain, sometimes that, that can still be an issue. But I think just making sure you have multiple modes of action there in the tank that maybe some of them don't need near as much uh, rainfall to get that activation going. Um, but if you do have irrigation, making sure that um, we're keeping that soil mo- moist. Yeah, it's it's a little different. I know for some farmers that are in areas where rainfall is normally not a problem, uh, as you move west in the Corn Belt, it, it gets to be a little more sporadic. And getting herbicides out there, like, like for us on our farm, one of our standard practices is we'll start putting out pre-emerge herbicides in the fall in some cases, or we'll start in March and we'll be out well in advance of when we're going to put seed in the ground just to make sure we've got a good shot to get some moisture on them. And in some cases, we have to do a little bit of light tillage too just to get them down in the ground um, that they're just different things that you have to do uh, versus if you're in an area that rains all the time maybe you say oh, I'm going to plant and then put it on that doesn't work very well for us probably three or four years out of ten so you got to be careful what you're doing and we're talking with Lily Zemer here with FMC works uh, down in Nebraska and out into Colorado um, those are some tough areas, but then again, you got guys that are raising 300 bushel corn too. So you know, growers that know what they're doing with corn production. Yeah, for sure. No, and I think it's really important, you know, when we're talking about weed control is, is resistance is continuing to be um, a problem no matter what area you're in. So, um, you know, we talked about a little bit about tillage and, and making sure you're either doing those passes in the fall or in the springtime before planting. Um, but another thing I want to touch on, I guess, is, is using those multiple modes of action. And that's a term that we hear a lot, but a term that I like better is using multiple effective modes of action. So, so making sure that the herbicides that we're putting out there are, are going to be effective on the, the weeds that we have present. So just another thing that I like to touch on with folks. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Multiple effective modes of action, certainly the answer here. And, you know, when we look at a crop rotation too, there's, there's a lot of options in corn that we don't have in soybeans. So need to try and do the best job in each crop that we've got here to make sure it's easier to control those weeds the next time. We don't want them going to seed. Hey, Lily, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Thanks for sharing a little bit. Look forward to talking to you more as the season approaches. Yep. Thank you. Talking about corn herbicides today and weed control in corn, we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And we'll be right back after this. Hey, Fred, how's harvest coming? Well, got to take care of my STDs. Your what? <laughs> my soil transmitted disease. Got white mold spreading in my bean fields again. Foliar fungicides alone just aren't cutting it, and I can't seem to get rid of it. Fred, get ahead of the spread. My agronomist highly recommends Contans WG from Sipcam Agro. It's definitely your solution to control white mold at its source. Huh, thanks, Joe. I'm calling my retailer today for Contans WG. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. 
We're live in the Morton studio. Today we're talking corn herbicides. If you've got any questions for us, just give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on X, AgPHD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines. Got TJ Bins on with us. He's with Syngenta. Hey, TJ, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Excellent. All right. So at Syngenta, it feels like you got about a thousand herbicides for corn. So where do you usually start with farmers when they go, or agronomists when they go, well, you have all these choices. Which one should I be talking about or which one should I be thinking about for my operation? You know, a thousand might be a little bit much, but I think we're <laughs> Just a close to 999. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. I mean, you put five growers in a room and all five of them have different expectations and ideas. And so what we're trying to do is have a broad portfolio for kind of all those different situations. All right. So let's take your area, for example. You're from Kansas. What What's the first thing that usually pops up? I assume it's, hey, I've got a whatever, water hemp or palmer pigweed issue. That's my number one problem, so what's your recommendation? And I want to make sure I have the best control possible. Yeah, so Palmer is going to be the big thing, but as a secondary, we always have to think about also is kosher. And so what we're looking at is, first off, what are your capabilities? I mean, is are you stretched out and you're not able to do an overlapping residual or two applications? That's going to change our, our thought process just a little bit. So. First thing is, is capabilities because, you know, if you're not going to get it applied right, the best herbicide in the world is not going to fix that problem. Right. That's for sure. Okay. So what's your best pre-emerge recommendation then if the guy says, I want the absolute best possible control pre? Yeah. So a new product that we are introducing right now, um, was launched at the Kamani Classic is storing herbicide. So it's a pre-mix of two group 15s along with two group 27. So you get your Callisto and bicyclopyrone for the group 27s, but you also get dual 2 magnum along with pyroxysulfone for the group 15 side. So why the two group 15s? I mean, I understand the two HPPDs, and you've, you've had mixtures in the past with meso and bicyclopyrone, but why the two group 15s? Well, it's to help make that a little bit more robust and the other thing you have to think about with those two group 15s is is their physical characteristics or their properties are complementary to each other also Um, you know sometimes we deal with wet years sometimes we deal with dry years and so this helps kind of mitigate a little bit of that weather that we deal with all the time all right so pre-emerge storing is the number one thing you're talking about this year anything new and different for post or or what do you usually visit with farmers about if they say hey i got palmer water hemp kosha and i want something really good post-emerge right so that's the thing with most of our products is we have location flexibility so like storing we can go pre or once the corns emerge lumax lexar accurate on all the above. I mean, most of the products that we have in the corn portfolio, we can go pre and post to be able to overlap that residual. Um, As we're thinking about, you know, what people would consider a typical post type of a product, like an Acuron GT, Um, you know, that way you get your glyphosate along with your dual magnum, Callisto, and your bicyclopyrone. What's the most common mistake you run into where a farmer or an agronomist says, boy, I just don't have great weed control. What went wrong? What could they have done in advance so that didn't happen? 
So I would say my number one thing I see is trying to, depending on your area, I know there are some areas where they can still do a pretty good job of controlling weeds once they're out of the ground. Um, my area is not like that. So the number one mistake I see is trying to kill weeds once they get out of the ground or they're too large to control very well. Yeah, we ran into that a lot last year. At least in our region, we were accumulating heat units, uh, growing degree days, over twice as fast as normal in the early growing season. And so when guys went out there and they thought, oh, normally I'm killing two or three inch tall weeds, well, the weeds were four or six inches tall, or worse yet, they were a foot tall or more, and then they're just expecting normal control. Well, no herbicide is going to work the same when you're trying to kill foot tall weeds compared to when they're two inches tall. Right. And the other thing you have to think about is, at least with like a palmer, our metabolization of that product or the weed actually increases with the temperature. So yep. we're not getting as much product into the plant. It's metabolizing it a lot faster. So even a smaller weed is going to be tougher to kill once we have a lot of heat rolling behind it. Well, you talk about heat. And in Kansas, you deal with that, obviously, much more than we do. What else do you run into for problems with heat and how do you overcome that? Yeah, so making sure that you're putting the, the proper adjuvants in when required, you know, like an Acuron GT, where we ask for one to two quarts per hundred of non-ionic surfactant. So um, as the temperatures increase, less humidity, we want to be closer to that two quarts per hundred out here. The other thing is, is when we sit there and think about it, it needs to be a quality surfactant that, you know, does what we need it to do to actually break the surface tension, that droplet to get it spread out. Um, you know, I just came out of some meetings and one of our big conversations was is making sure that we're using the correct droplet size because we've seen some some huge differences in control when you're running too large of a droplet. With those products, we're looking for a medium to a coarse droplet. And, you know, if you've been out spraying your soybeans and are running some ultra coarse droplets, our control drops off pretty dramatically. So it's, it's worth the time to go flip those nozzles because it will pay you off in the end. Anything else you want to leave us with today, DJ? I mean, I know, again, you got lots of herbicides, lots of choices, but is there anything else that kind of stands out that you wanted to mention on the show today? Well, the one thing I guess I always point out is the fact that, you know, once we get weeds out of the ground, they are having an impact on our profitability and an impact on our yield. Yep. So my thing is, is I always want to control that thing before it ever comes out of the ground because that way it can have no impact on my yield. So treating the seed, not the weed, is what we need to try to get to at our very best. Yep, I I know, weather works against us, but that should be our goal to begin with. Yeah, definitely. And you you talk about weather working against us. Yeah, but I I guess we kind of know what our possibilities are with that weather. So, for example, like in my region, we're very dry a lot of times in the spring. You can definitely go with a fall-applied herbicide, or you can spray earlier in the spring. So there are ways around this a little bit. Do you have many guys that are doing fall applications at all down your way, or is there anyone you work with who's doing quite a bit of fall-applied herbicide? We have some some fall applications, but a lot of ours go early, early spring. And when I say early spring, I talk February, March. So same thing we're doing with Palmer with that residual product. We're trying to do the same thing with kochia also. So we'll go out in February, March, make our applications. So that way, when we get to planting, we don't have a mess out there with weeds and that we're trying to control too. Yep. Starting clean, always a key. Again, that's TJ Bins with Syngenta. TJ, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you.
All right, we've been talking herbicides all day, but now it's time for the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, uh, get a question that came in. Uh, this one is from, um, well, it's anonymous, I guess. Wondering, hey, you guys are talking about rocks in the field. I'm wondering, where do these rocks come from? How do they get out in your fields? Well, they were there to start with. So it's not like the birds are bringing them along like they do with the weeds or anything. They were just out there to start with. And what we find is over time, some of these things move around. Uh, there can be soil erosion or something too, where rocks were below ground, now they're exposed. But yeah, I mean, things just, they, they start moving around. But a lot of times what we run into as well is tillage. When we've done tillage in our fields, then all of a sudden you go, I thought I had all the rocks picked up out there. Now we have a few more rocks. That's just the way it goes. And it is one reason why in some of the rockier areas, people like no-till so they don't keep bringing up more rocks. All right. Uh, I had a question that came in from uh, Tom, and he said, see stuff coming out the back of the combine. Can you talk to us just a little bit about how those harvesting machines actually work, how they have losses of grain out the back, and what else is coming out the back of the combine? Yep. Great question. We'll have to get to that right after this break, though. So the combines, as we would call them, harvesting machines, they're, they're more complicated all the time. Got a lot of technology on there. So we'll discuss it just a little bit right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Good morning and hallelujah. Watch it. My spray and pray days are over. What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven. Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new battalion amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history. So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's going to be a good year. Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its cornhead should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. 
Drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting deck plates save kernels, longer nut rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. Get the best deals of the season through December 15th. Learn more at dragooffers.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And right before the break, we had this question about basically how does the combine work? Um, I'm going to keep this real simple because if you're a farmer, you already know the answer. If you aren't a farmer, um, you probably don't need tremendous detail on this, but I'll just put it this way. When you're going through the field, hopefully all your plants are standing. And you go along with the head, the combine head, the purpose is to cut that plant off. And then inside the combine, it all depends on which grain we're talking about. But the idea is to separate the grain from everything else. So you've got the stalk, you've got the leaves, and even, let's say, okay, with soybeans, we're trying to get the beans out of the pods. With corn, we have to get the kernels off the ear. So there's a lot that that combine can do, but then ultimately it's going to throw everything out the back end other than the actual grain. So when it's throwing it out the back end, what we're trying to do is have that residue, it's chopped up, and have it fairly evenly spread across our ground. We don't want to have a windrow or just a trail of a pile of residue, and then in between, there's no residue, because then we have problems dealing with that in tillage and especially in planting next spring, if we're planting spring crops. So the idea is we want to get this grain and have all the other stuff, all the stock, any any residue, uh, pods, leaves, you name it, going out the back and spread it fairly evenly. So that's that's the whole purpose. And yeah, if, if you want a lot more detail, you can certainly look that up. A lot of things online, a lot of good videos and stuff like that. But that's the, the general premise. All right. There's some strange things that happen out in the fields from time to time. And Russell has a, a comment here. Uh, we were talking about what is the right number of corn ears per plant and Russell said, well, my last crop had a lot of stalks that had two ears on the same node, but few or no kernels at all on either of them. Not just the outer row. It was just bad yield overall. And Wait, Russell, whoa, two on the same two, node? Two on the same mm, node. And sometimes, that's not common. No, it's not common, but sometimes we do see it. It's called bouquet ears. And sometimes what will happen, if there's a pollination issue, the corn plant can actually shoot another ear at that primary node if it wanted to, more likely it's going to shoot an ear out at the second node down. Corn plants will have ears at the nodes all the way up to about the, 
fourteenth uh, note or so on the on the chord. Or at stock. least ear shoots. Yeah, ear shoots, and then it will use apical dominance and hormones in the plant to tell the plant, "Hey, we've got enough energy here and enough food to produce one ear." Well, if something happens with pollination on that ear, the plant does have the option. It can shoot another ear at that same note. It's uncommon, but sometimes it happens. And when neither of excuse me, neither of them pollinated, uh, that's yeah, that's very unusual and not a good deal. So sorry to hear that, Russell. It, we don't know exactly why that happens, uh, other than just that there's been a pollination problem. Some some think it's early season drought that's caused that. Uh, but I don't know, and we do see that on multiple hybrids. It's not like, oh, that's a one hybrid in the world that has that. On, on years that we've seen this, universities have documented multiple hybrids having that same issue. So something happened at the time those ear shoots were initiated and, and or between there and when they were trying to pollinate that, that led yeah, to problems. Yeah, so, so what we're always talking about here on the show is giving your, your plant the best chance to succeed and the least amount of stress. So drainage got to make sure that's addressed we want to have good overall levels of balanced fertility in the soil and then on top of that obviously we're trying to find vigorous seed and then and get that out of the ground and growing and then protect it from weeds insects and diseases and so when you do all those things then usually you have a better shot at proper pollination but yeah severe drought and certain other weather events could cause Issues that they're just beyond your control, but do everything else you can, and hopefully these issues don't pop up very often. Okay, Matt sent in a soil test speaking about an issue, and this is this one is um, it's a it's a little bit of a head scratcher with the information we've got here. I think we're going to need some more info. But Matt sent this in. He said this soil test is from an area that has had corn that didn't put an ear on two years in a row. Now the corn was also down in a circular shape, so it fell over, uh, kind of a circular area out there. What do you think might be going wrong? And I noticed there are three tests here that were run. One of them has a really low soil pH, and when I hear corn going down in a circular area, I think about white grubs. Um, I think about, also, if you didn't have an ear on in this area for a couple of years, could be, you know, possibly a herbicide carryover thing, especially in low pH soil. There's some herbicides that don't break down very well. Um, in super yep, low pH exactly. soils, you could limit microbial activity. There, There's a lot of negative things that could happen out there. Yeah, and especially when we're talking Illinois, it's not common for corn to have no ears. So I, I'm, I'm, to Darren's point, I'm looking at how we doing on the overall uh, carryover issue, what was raised a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and what herbicides did we use? Because that certainly could be causing an issue. Uh, so uh, let me just read some things here on the soil test, and, and I'll just tell you. Um, so the average cation exchange capacity, 12. So we'd call that medium textured soil, two and a half organic matter. Uh, magnesium is 520 pounds, potassium 331 pounds. The potassium is a little bit low. It's only 3.5% base saturation case. That's a little bit low. But where it is, it's not like you're going to have no ears with that. Phosphorus, 134 pounds. Uh, yeah, there's one spot of bad soil pH, but the other two are in the sixes. Um, you have some zinc. You got a little bit of sulfur, some copper, a little bit of boron. Uh, there's some manganese out there. I mean, there's nothing here that I go, oh, this soil test means we're going to have no ears on corn. I I don't see that. So the, there's something going on other than 
your your nutrients in the soil. Yeah, so we're gonna have to do a little more digging there, Matt, or you're gonna have to do a little more digging to see what's going on out there. I would I would look at uh, maybe pulling another soil sample to see what's what's in there well, for if there's any herbicides in there or anything else. Okay, then, but but here's the thing. Let's let's step back. So one thing we can tell you is you want to always, whenever you have a bad issue like that, go to the worst of the areas, pull a sample there, and then go to an area where everything is great in your field, pull a sample there. And then you can compare those two soil test results. But where where Darren was going with this is, like on that soil pH, we do have certain herbicides that could carry over a lot more in low pH, like Pursuit is one. And could that cause a major problem two or three years later? It's possible. It's unlikely, especially in Illinois, with all your heat and moisture and everything, but it's possible. So I'm not saying it was pursuit. I'm simply saying there could be a herbicide that would carry over more in that low pH spot. And I don't know if you took it from the worst spot either. So maybe 4.9 is as bad as it gets, but maybe you've got a spot of 4.2 out there or something like that. I'm not sure. I just don't know. So yeah, it's going to require more investigation just looking at these soil tests, I don't, I don't have any answer. All right, thanks, thanks for the question. Get this one in from Quinn down in Missouri. He said, "Guys, uh, the HPPDs are not really working so well for us here anymore." And I also was listening to your show today. I heard Tom Wood say that atrazine resistance on these HPPD resistant weeds is there too, which makes me nervous. That was two of the modes of action I've been using. So my question is, if HPPDs aren't working, should I switch out of HPPDs in my post program? Can yep. I still use them pre, or are they not going to provide very much benefit? Well, it all depends. So I'll put it this way. If you're spraying weeds that are 6, 8, 12 inches tall and the HPPDs aren't killing them, I'm not going to blame it entirely on the HPPD, and I might still use them if I sprayed them pre or especially if the weed was, let's call it, one or two inches tall. But if you say, boy, I was spraying, I had perfect weather, the weeds were pretty small, I did everything that I should do, and it still didn't work, then yeah, I'd just skip it. So we've talked about this quite a bit here over the last year. We do have a product that will kill every weed in, in corn. It's called Status. It just costs a lot more than the HPPDs. Uh, Tom Wood was talking about tough. That's certainly an option if you want to say, you know what, I'm going to try the HPPD atrazine thing again. You throw tough together with it, that's something you could do. You could also throw dicamba with it if you wanted to. And then finally, if you're raising smart stacks corn, don't forget Liberty is dirt cheap this year. So you could run Liberty for a pretty low cost if your corn is Liberty tolerant. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And thanks for tuning in today. Really appreciate listening to the show. Well, thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.